0: Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health.
1: Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. I am Dr. Scott Guthrie, the Infant Medical Director for tip C, and a neonatologist. Today we are excited to welcome back Dr. Ryan McAdams to continue to share more on the topic of grief. Dr. McAdams is the Neonatology Division Chief and a member of the Division of Global Pediatrics in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. After his fellowship training in the Air Force, he and his wife lived in Okinawa, Japan on a naval base for three years. They then moved to Seattle, Washington, where Ryan worked at the University of Washington and Seattle Children's Hospital for eight years before coming to UW-Madison in 2016. As a neonatologist, his goal is to improve neonatal outcomes globally by partnering with people to promote education and practices that lead to better neonatal outcomes. He's also involved in numerous areas of research, including such things as preventing perinatal brain injury using things such as artificial intelligence and machine learning to enhance outcomes and virtual reality educational simulation training. Before we get started, if you have not listened to part one of our conversation, I encourage you to do so so you don't miss the great information that has already been shared on grief. We discussed last week how everyone in the hospital setting, whether they are a provider, nurse, respiratory therapist, parent, Whoever helps us care for these babies or has a baby in the NICU can have these grief experiences. And that's what Dr. Ryan McAdams is here to share with us today. So I think everybody needs some type of outlet when we're dealing with these heavy situations. And this is why I referred to you as the Renaissance man earlier, man of science, man of art. And you've got this amazing outlet that you've used to express your grief, to share the stories that you've encountered with people. Tell our audience a little bit about what you've been up to and how you got into this.
2: Yeah, I recognize, you know, I would like to exercise and do a lot of things. And so there's different ways to try and have an outlet that's, I think, healthy to get engaged with. And with the painting and, and writing, the way I approached that was I can have a product at the end that's going to tell a story. So I had this baby that died, or this experience that I was a part of that it was really impactful and i want to share this with someone else but i also want to document it in a way or have it an end product that will reflect that story because it then gives that baby like a legacy like no it's if i painted them where i wrote about them not only for myself it forced me to kind of go through some of those emotions process them whether that's and, and often that's a hard process because you're trying to relive it to get it right like i'm what was that like and you're trying to take elements to get the truth and the truth it's painful often and sometimes when i'm writing or painting I'm, i have to pause because i'm crying because i'm i'm really like back in that moment reliving it in a very real way to try and like get my emotions right so that i can put the right amount of effort and energy into the process of painting or writing and then there's a refinement later with that so i think for me, it, it's kind of like grief too, where you're covering things with layers of paint. And sometimes then you're scraping that paint off and going back to it. And the finished product is some of the old and some of the new, it's both. And that's what makes it whole. So I think grief is a way to, if I found it a way to deal with it through painting and writing to be, I guess a, a creative way to navigate some of this. And at the end, if I can share it with someone and it can touch someone or help someone, I feel like that's the way of honoring that baby. That baby didn't make it, they died. Hardly anybody knew about them, but maybe through this, their story can get told and that'll touch someone else. And maybe there's someone else who's grieving or going through something and this will resonate with them. And in a way that's that baby resonating through them. I just got to be a medium to help that along a bridge.
1: Yeah. So I, I want you to share one more story with us. Think of your best work you've ever done. Maybe something that won an award or I know you've had a few things published on JAMA. Is that right? Academic academic medicine? Academic medicine, a lot, yeah. Yeah, you've had some of your work published on the covers of of some of the top leading medical journals. So think of one of those things that's been honored or awarded and then tell us the story behind that and then the process of making that grief into a visual experience to share and honor that experience.
2: I guess my favorite painting, which I'll save, I'll tell really brief because I, for time limited, I think the one that probably was one of the hardest that was published in the Green Journal. It's an obstetrical journal. So I was on my way to the hospital and I was leaving early and I had to go, I was in Seattle and I was working at Overlake Hospital. So I had to cross a bridge. I'm heading towards the hospital. I get a 911 call literally as I'm pulling off to the hospital. So I run into the hospital and there was a crash C section. I run up to the unit. And I see my nurse practitioner walking away from the resuscitation table and there's a baby still on it. And I'm like, well, she would never leave a baby on the table. And she's her, I could just tell by the look in her face, something bad had happened. And this baby had been born as a stillborn and had come out perfect, but dead. She tried everything she could do to resuscitate the baby. So then the nurse tells me, well, the the dad and the grandma are out in the waiting room. And so I was like, okay, I got to go tell them what just happened. So I walk out and the dad's excited. He's thinking he's getting a brand new baby boy. He's got a suitcase with him. We're walking on the hall and he, he's just overjoyed to see his child. And I'm like, so I bring him in this room and he sit him down and I had to tell him his baby died. And he was, I mean, it was just like, it, he, it was probably the last thing in the world he thought he was going to hear. And so he's he just starts grieving and wailing and weeping and the, him and the grandmother... And then I just kind of stayed there, obviously, just quietly watching this. And then he turns to me. He's like, well, what about my wife? Does she know yet? I'm like, no, she's under general anesthesia. So we stay in the room until they wheel the mom in and they wake her up. And the first thing she sees is the dad crying. And then we had to tell her that the baby died. So it was just a horrible, like horrible scenario where mom had had an abruption. She'd come in. She was really restless. I think the OBs were confused with what was going on. They couldn't really get the ultrasound probe on to get a good window. Well, she wasn't restless because she'd done drugs or anything else. She was restless because she was abrupting. And so this was like this horrible event where they lost this baby, which they thought was going to be fine. So that was one I I painted the abruption of that incorporated the the mom, the, the, the empty crib at home, the grieving father, the grandmother, and me just kind of like feeling helpless where nothing we could have done to save that baby. That one was a tough one to like just process through. And it was, it was a terrible event and I hate abruption, right? It's just like, it Mm -hmm. it kills so many babies. And it's just like, it's just horrible. That was, I say a a pretty intense painting and a poem I wrote with it that to me is relevant, unfortunately, to a lot of women and families all over the world because they experience this. Yeah. And for our audience, we're going to be sharing
1: in our show notes, a link to Dr. McAdams' work so you can check some of this out yourself and some of the stories that go along with this. One of the other things I need to cover is, and this is a safe space for all our listeners, so you're not proscribing things per se for people in their situation, but hopefully our listeners as we're going through this, they're identifying that, you know, I have been experiencing grief and I've, I've not recognized it. I've been dealing with these feelings in maybe an unhealthy way. Can you just Go through maybe some things that people could do some mental health checks and and some good ways to deal with uh, their emotions and grief that you recommend to people or you've
2: seen people mm-hmm. use effectively in their lives yeah i think that there's the need to just be honest with kind of how are things going period in your life at the moment like how how many directions are you getting pulled what's going on i mean Unfortunately, as we get older, you experience death of loved ones, family members, and you may deal with your own health problems or those of a loved one, or you have children that have things they're struggling with and you're struggling with as a parent. So I think we're kind of bombarded by these things in life. And sometimes things are going smoother, but other times there's a lot going on. And then I think when we have a job as a healthcare provider and you need to show up to the hospital and kind of, in a way, put that stuff aside so you can focus on all the folks who have needs at the hospital, and then you leave work and come back to all that stuff, it's kind of a crazy lifestyle at times and it can really be intense. I think you have to figure out like how fatigued am I? How much rest have I been getting? What what have I been trying to deal with? And how thin do I feel like I'm spread? So some of it's that honesty about that and then trying to protect some little windows of rest where you can just reflect and maybe shut stuff off. Put the phone down, put away electronics, do something that's gonna let you just kind of be in the moment protected. So no one's asking you anything. No one needs anything in that moment. And you're just, how are you doing? And can can these little things kind of get you in a better space so that then you can go be the good part of you and go out and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I've recharged a little bit or I'm, I'm, my, my mind's in a better spot. Sometimes that's not going to be enough. So maybe you need to have a more dramatic pause or you need to talk to someone who you feel is, a, this person's a good listener. I trust them. They know me. They can give me some good tips or get some good insight. Maybe that's not enough. You need a more of a break. And so who do you ask for that? It, hopefully you have a boss or someone who cares and listens and can you can confide in, but maybe can give you a little bit more protected time in your schedule so you can take some of that break if you're fortunate enough that. Oftentimes that will help. If you've had something really significant go on, grief is not something where it's a done task. You check a box. It's ongoing. And in some ways that's good because it shows how much you love someone. And when you're grieving, you still feel like they're part of you. There's a worry that if you stop grieving that person, the memory is going to be lost and you don't want to end the grieving. But there's times where the grieving is too much. You're stuck. You can't get out of it. It's really had a negative impact on other things in life. You're numb or you're depressed or you're not finding joy in things. You're not able to move forward. And so this isn't just stuck for a little bit. This is like stuck for a long time. In those scenarios, I think grief then has been overwhelming, but it's also really hindered your ability to do other things. And in those circumstances, You may need to talk to a grief counselor and get professional input for how to help you heal and move forward with your grief, grief in a healthier way and get you where if you were stuck, where you can move. And so I think some of it is just those healthy health outlets we talked about. I do think we have to be really aware of how are we doing in these moments and what are the habits? What are the things we're doing to lean on to compensate? Are we eating certain foods or doing certain things and trying to, is that working? Or do you need to do a little bit more to really mentally and emotionally get in a better spot so you can work through some of that? So I think those are some tips I would say. I don't know if there's a perfect answer. I think it is pretty individualized, but I think what's not is we all have to deal with this. It's not if, but when. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you have to come say, like, especially if we're in a profession like this, what things am I doing to keep me healthy so I can do this in a long-term, sustainable way, knowing some seasons are going to be tougher than others?
1: Yeah, I think the big message is to make sure you're being introspective on your own life, especially when you've been confronting with several of these events head-on quite frequently. I've talked to a lot of my adult friends working through the pandemic over the past several months and I guess years now. And I know I've had a couple of them tell me that they really, really struggled with burnout and have lost their humanity. They felt at the bedside dealing with what they've had to go through and see in these experiences. And I think in our world, we run the risk of that as well. Mm -hmm. Ryan, one of the really nice things setting this up with you was you sent us one of your favorite paintings, Mm -hmm. which is not dealing with grief. I absolutely love this to death. Can you tell us the story behind this painting? And for our audience, too, we're going to be sharing this in our show notes as well. So you can see one of Ryan's favorite paintings.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you. Like, I deal with grief and stuff, but I also like happiness and joy. So I think this was a painting I did when George Floyd's murder happened. And we recognized the evils of racism and the impact of racism on our society and just how widespread that was. I wanted to do a painting that another area of interest of mine is promoting mom's breastfeeding and the health of breast milk, the impact that has on babies. And unfortunately, there's a lot of racial disparities when it comes to health care, where black babies often don't have the same outcomes as a white baby, which doesn't make any sense. And I think it makes sense if you think about the stress of racism and the impact of that on families with breastfeeding. There's huge inequities with white women having higher success rates of exclusive breastfeeding and black women having lower rates. And so to try and advocate for breastfeeding, especially for women of color, and, and this is when all that stuff was going on with George Floyd, I said, well, let me do a painting that captures the joy of a mom breastfeeding. And it supports this concept of the importance of breastfeeding infants. It wanted to show the bond between a mom and her baby. And absolutely promote how women of color can be champions with this. And we need to advocate more for that. So this was a colorful painting I did to try and highlight the joy between a mom and her child while she's breastfeeding. And so I was fortunate enough that the Journal of Human Lactation put this on the cover for the year, but came from a place of concern with what's going on. But I wanted to have a very positive, uplifting feel, unlike maybe some of the paintings I deal with that are more reflecting grief. This is to show a positive. So that was a painting. I I was happy with how it turned out. When I look at it, it makes me feel good. It makes me smile and reminds me of how amazing these moms are with their babies. So I would absolutely
1: love to put this in my NICU. And I'm sure as our listeners look at this or the show notes, they're going to be like, yes, I'd love to do this as well. Is there a place where we could order a print and share this with this story and with their families and their NICU?
2: Hopefully in the near future. So one of my goals is to have things available like that. I think right now, privately, people could reach out to me. I am doing a series right now on breastfeeding actually to advocate different cultures, different situations, different social backgrounds. I'm trying to be real creative with this and inclusive of all different types of folks out there that participate as parents. And so I want to really like have a series that can advocate for this and use art as a creative way to do so. So I'm in the process of working on a number of paintings. My hope is that things can be available. And then my big goal for my art really is to have this art available, and hopefully it resonates with some folks and they can, if they were interested in having a print, ultimately what I want is to have any money generated from that, go to nonprofit organizations to help folks in need worldwide, especially like orphans. I think there's so much need out there. And it'd be great if in the future, myself and other artists, some of this revenue, anything that would be generated could help promote health for those in need. So that's that's my bigger goal with this. And right now I'm just trying to, between all that I got going on with work, find some time to paint, to, to have some product that then people can then hopefully enjoy and then maybe help folks in other ways, like I mentioned. Well, we are going to share that information with our listeners and our show
1: notes. And so everybody can check out Dr. McAdams' artwork and see absolutely how amazing it is. And for those of you who are neonatal care providers, I know a lot of it will resonate with you because of a lot of the things that we have experienced that he has put into a visual medium that I think uh, as I've looked at your work has helped me realize some of the emotions that I didn't want to deal with at the time. And that's the beauty uh, with art. So, hey, I've got one more question for you before I let you go. And I really appreciate you taking time to be with us and just walk through your story and how us as providers deal with grief. But one of the questions I always either lead with or wait to the very end, and I've obviously waited to the very end with you, is I want you to imagine that you had the opportunity to have a gigantic billboard somewhere, maybe multiple major cities around the world, including there in Madison where you're based. But every day as thousands of people were passing this billboard that Dr. Ryan McAdams had the ability to put a message on to just give some information to people or to give a good message to people. What would you say on this gigantic billboard?
2: I would put on that billboard, every child everywhere deserves an opportunity to thrive. I think that's really how I approach medicine and on a global perspective, kind of that attitude of everybody gets that chance. Every parent wants their child to thrive. We need to do things to help support that. It doesn't mean we're always going to have success, but I think having that attitude to me, hopefully promotes equity globally and allows us to focus on what's so important. And these are these, our future, these little baby children and these babies, these children and their families. And so that's to me, that's what I put on the billboard. Love it. And that's actually why tip QC exists around our state because
1: we're helping do this. And I appreciate you sharing your story today. I think this is going to be a fabulous message to share with people in all the different locations that are listening. So thank you so much, Dr. McAdams. You have a wonderful yeah, day. You. And to our listeners, everybody have a wonderful day as well. Thanks for joining us and we'll be back with a new podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you'd like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team.